0: passing McDonald's, I see this very old lady on an electric wheelchair, and she's just going slow as heck, like if she don't even feel the rain, and I'm saying, oh my God, like this lady, like I'm praying this prayer, God, send somebody to help her, right, like I can't be that person, God, send somebody to help her, so I'm driving off, I'm like, oh my God, like I feel so bad for her, and I feel God tugging my heart saying, Dennis, you need to go help her. I was like, yeah, but God, I don't do that. <laughs> Send somebody else, right? Like, we pray those prayers. God, do something that you want me to do so that I can get the credit for someone else doing it. And so I'm praying. I'm saying, God, I don't do that. And and the further away I got from her, the more I started feeling like I had to turn around. And I'm like, no, I can't do this. And so I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm driving. And, and finally, it just breaks me. And I'm like, oh. Okay, God, have it your way, right? Driving around, boom, hit the U-turn. I'm going, I'm looking for her in the thick rain. I can't find her. I'm like, oh my gosh, she disappeared. She she actually got off from her wheelchair and started sprinting like a ninja. I don't know. I'm thinking of all these crazy things, and, right? I, I'm coming back to where she was at, and I'm saying, yo, she's not there anymore. I keep driving, and I finally see her. So I pull over to the side. I'm running, right? I grab my jacket for her. I'm running like I'm in Baywatch, like just everything's going crazy, right? The rain, I can hear grenades in the background, lasers are flying by my head. I'm like, lady, I finally get to her. I said, hey, here, you can have my jacket. She looks at me with a smile. She says, no, thank you, I'm OK. I said, I, I know, but you need this jacket. She says, I'm OK. I said, are you sure? She didn't even talk. She just kept driving. I said, ma'am, I got a jacket, it's gonna protect you, you're gonna get sick. I don't want that for you. I wanna help you. Just kept going. I remember getting back into my car. I drove right next to her. Let it blow my jacket. She didn't even look at me. She would just kept going. Put my window up I said, Alright, fine, I'm done. Started praying to God again. I said, God, that sucked. I said, God, I failed. You told me to help her out, and I couldn't help her out. God, I'm a failure. I'm trying to serve your kingdom, but for some reason, there's something wrong with me that isn't working. And, And God shut me up at that moment, and he said something I want you to learn today, and it's that God is more about the heart than he is the hand. God is more about what goes on in your heart than what's actually going on in your hand. Can I let you know something about God? He judges success not the way that you do. God says you're successful not when you do good things with your hand, but when you're faithful with your heart. the faithfulness of your heart that says you're successful you you can build a mighty kingdom but if you went against God's will you were not successful sweetheart you just did whatever you wanted to do God says no no your success is not determined on what you do for yourself your success is determined on the faithfulness of your heart so this rises a question what's your heart look like how's your heart if we understand that God says you win, not by what you did, but who's in your hearts, we have to ask the question, how is my heart? Is your heart broken? I- I'm not preaching to perfect people today. I'm preaching to the broken just like me, to the lost just like me, to those that are hurting. I'm asking not perfect people. I'm asking imperfect people. How is your heart? Has it been manipulated to do something it did not want to do? Has your heart been taken advantage of? Has your heart gone down a direction it did not want to go because it was too scary, or people forced it to go that way? How is your heart ready? Is your heart lonely? Because I realize a lot of our worst decisions come because our heart is lonely. (laughs) Almost every bad decision you've made, it has a connection to loneliness. And it's crazy because in our day and time, we have the most opportunity to connect with people, yet we feel the loneliest. We have so many things to get connected to our friends and our family across the states. There are so many ways for you to meet people, yet with all that happening, you still feel lonelier than ever in life. And and as I was praying about this, God, why do so many people in my generation feel lonely, even though they have access to so many people, so many things, and so many events? And and he was reminding me, we were talking, and, and God was just like, Dennis, listen, they're more focused on what's on their hands than what's in their heart. See, the problem is not that people don't love you. The problem is you want people to love what's in your hand. If I have the newest thing, if I have the best shoes, if I have the coolest clothes, if I have the best smile, if I have the best hair, and they're going to love you more than that, I need you to understand. They are loving. They're loving what you're giving them. And so you feel lonely because your clothes is getting the love. You feel lonely because your compliments are getting the love. You feel lonely because it's your wisdom that you think is yours that is getting the love. It's not that they don't love you. It's just that you're investing in the wrong thing. It's more about the heart than it is the hand. So how, how, how's your heart? If you asked me in that story, I was saying, God, I don't like this. If you would ask me how my heart was, I would tell you my heart was lonely. Because I tried to help with my hand and got rejected. So my heart started hurting. I said, how could I have the answer for you? But yet you would deny it even though I'm right here. My heart was empty. And so I told God, I, I said, God, I don't like this feeling. You know what he said? He said, me too. I said, God, I don't like when people reject me knowing I have the answer for them. He said, Dennis, me too. I said, God, you don't know what you're talking about. Your God. If yes means yes to you, no means no to you. You can tell mountains to turn into snow cones, and they'll do it in an instant. You can tell oceans to move. God, everything is obedient to you. You don't know how I feel. He said, Dennis, hold on, hold on. Did you not read my word? He took me to this passage. It's in the book of John, chapter 1. He's talking about himself. He said, Dennis, read this, and this is talking about me. It says, the one who is the true light, Jesus, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Oh, that's some good news the Savior who created everything that you can see and not see he's coming to the world I said God you don't know what I'm talking about rejection feels different than you come into the world he said no, no no keep on reading Dennis he came into the very world that he created but the world did not recognize him he came to his own people and even they rejected him I said God oh, I'm so sorry I need you to know God knows exactly how you feel See, we don't serve Jesus, we don't follow Jesus, because we think that he's someone that we have to get to. No, 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 God endured everything you're enduring right now when he was on the cross, and he said, I know exactly how you feel. It's not you going through it alone and me telling you what to do. It's me telling you what I did so that we both can get through it. You don't have to go alone, you will never be alone. My love is here for you. I said, God, if you knew how it was going to feel, if you knew they would reject you, why did you come in the first place? I love to ask God questions if you can, not already tell. I said, God, if you knew exactly what was going to happen, why didn't you give up? Why didn't you come and experience the goodness of life and give up when everything came bad, just like a lot of us do here on this earth. When things are going good, we're fully alive and fully aware. But when things are going bad, we just like to sleep all the time. It's not really that you value sleep. It's just that you don't want to live anymore. So sleep is your only escape. Laziness is your only escape. I said, Jesus, why didn't you get lazy like me whenever I get down? Jesus, why didn't you get depressed like me when I get rejected? God, well, why, why did you do something different? He said, Dennis, I need, you to, I need to teach you something about my love. And this is my next point today that Jesus loved you before you were born. So his love isn't affected by your life. He loved you before anything happened. So no matter what you do here on earth, he will continue to love you. Before you could breathe a breath, he loved you. So whether your breath is cursing him or loving him, he still loves you. He said, before it was, I was. Before you breathed, I loved. So no matter what you do, Dennis, I was loving you from the beginning. Ain't nothing in the middle gonna change. And at the end of the day, it's still gonna be the same. Oh, Dennis, that sounds key. Where's your evidence? Jeremiah chapter one. See, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I once set you apart. See, you were alone in the womb, but before the womb, Jesus said, I I had already set you apart. And I had appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Galatians chapter 115, oh my God, I love when Paul says this, he says, but even before I was born, some of y'all need to say this over your own life, before I was born, God chose me, and he called me by his marvelous grace, and then it pleased him. See, it was before you could do anything that God loved you, so no matter what you do, he will still love you, so this rises another question. If God's love is always the same no matter what, if he loves me no matter what, then how can my life truly change? If whether I'm an atheist struggling with homosexuality, struggling with addiction, if I'm a Christian or not a Christian, his love is the same, then how is it that I change to a love that changes no time? Like if that love is always the same, how can something happen where I automatically change? If God's love is the same yesterday, today, and forever, what what happened in my life from yesterday to today that made me different? See, we're talking about how an encounter with Jesus never leaves you the same, but if his love is the same, how is it that it can never leave me the same? I I need you to understand this beauty about God, that God's love changes you when you receive it. I, I need you to understand God's love is always around you, but it's until you receive it that it's really with you. Anything that touches the love of God changes. That's why everything around your life is always changing. Because he's changing things for you to get to him. But it's until you get him into your heart that you begin to change. His love will change everything around you. But when you receive it into your heart, it changes everything about you. You look the same because his love is around you. Oh, but one moment, one second of him being within you. Oh, man, it's not about the hand. It's about the heart. And God has been in your hand, but has he been in your heart? He's been changing everything around you. That's why you weren't supposed to be here today, but you ended up here today. That's why some random person decided to invite you today because he's been in your hand. He's been giving himself to you every single day since he died, and today he's saying, are you willing to let me go into your heart? Because I'm tired of changing things left and right of you. I want to change things within you. I want to get to know you personally. I don't want to just make your eyebrows look good. I want your smile to be beautiful. I don't want to just make your hair look good in the morning. No, no, no. I want your love to be unlike anyone else's love. God wants to change things inside of you, but he's got to be in your heart. You can't just be satisfied with your hand. See, there's this idea, and in the story of Jesus on the cross, there's this, there's this picture where there's a, a criminal to his right and a criminal to his left. And I need you to understand, if God is loving you always, all the time, then you can only do two things. Either you're receiving God's love, and it changes you forever, or you're rejecting God's love, and he's still on the cross. See, this is picture. I, I love what Luke says in his chapter, Luke 23. It says, two others, the other criminals, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, a.k.a. Jesus. When they came to the place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The soldiers, they gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd, they watched, and the leaders, they scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself, if he is really God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers, they mocked him too. I-, I want you to paint this picture as I'm reading. By offering him a drink of sour wine, they called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. I can imagine Jesus in my head. No, 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 I'm too busy saving others. I can't save myself because it's not about me. If I get off the cross, then they'll get off of wherever that. But I'm going to stick it through so that you can stick it through. Save yourself. No, 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 Jesus was silent. And the sign was fastened above him with these three words. This is the king of the Jews. Sorry, not three words, these words. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him, I call this guy on the left. He said, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? Oh, I got so much to learn from this criminal i got so much, I I want to be like him, I want to have his heart, I want to have his mentality. Uh, He said, don't you fear God, even when you've been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man, Jesus, hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied something, I hope Jesus says to me every day of my life, I want to hear this forever. I assure you, today, you will be with me in paradise. I need you to understand Jesus loved both men. But what changed the man on the right from the man on the left is that he was willing to receive the love of God. See, I need you to understand either you're receiving God's love, changing you forever, or you're rejecting it, staying the same. Just because you come to church every day doesn't mean that you've received God's love. Just because you're in ministry, it doesn't mean you've received God's love. You can be up here, right next to me. You can be preaching greater uh, preachings than any pastor in this room, and that does not mean you have the love of God. You gotta receive it. See, either you're receiving it, or you're rejecting it. There's this idea, and I, I love what the book of John says about the soldiers. John chapter 19, please throw that up. I want want to read that with you guys. John chapter 19, it says, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless. Come on, that's worth something. Woven in one piece from top to bottom. So the the soldier said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw some dice for it. And this fulfilled the scripture that says they divided garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. And that is what they did. I I want you to understand either you're the criminal receiving God's love or you're the soldier rejecting it. I I I love to ask questions about what happened after. So I can imagine they're they're throwing dice for the garments of Jesus. Throwing dice. And and I'm going to be the soldier. I can imagine the soldier that won. he He grabs the garment. He says, oh, snap. I got the garment of Jesus. He says, oh, I'm the king of the Jews. He's mocking Jesus. He's got his robe. I can imagine he puts the robe on, and he says, oh, crucify me. Crucify me. And he's laughing at our Savior. He's laughing at our God. I can imagine he puts it between his legs and starts wiggling it like a lifeguard. I can imagine he's, like, whipping it on his friend's booties, and and he's, like, hitting people left and right. And there, he's waving it around. I'm the king of the Jews, laughing. And and he he goes to his house that same night, Friday night. Finally gets home. He goes to sleep. Wakes up in the morning, I can't wait to show my friends that I beat them yesterday, ooh, look what I got, I beat you yesterday, you remember, oh, I'm the king of the Jews, and they're looking at him like, soldier, it's an old joke, you don't gotta say it no more, oh, but I got the garments, I got the garments, Saturday night he goes to sleep, puts the garments back, uh, Sunday morning he comes, he grabs the garments and he says, ooh, look, the king of the Jews, I got him, and they're looking at him with fear, he's like, yo, what's going on, guys? Wait, 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 you said that that belongs to Jesus of Nazareth? Yeah, remember we crucified him on Friday and I got his garments because I beat you guys? And Andrew said, no, 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 hold on, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. You didn't hear. Well, what, do you, what do you mean I didn't hear? What well, 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 we went to his tomb today. But we we went to his tomb today and and the guards that were there ran away and and the tomb was empty when I looked inside he wasn't in there. And I can imagine him looking at the bloody robe of Jesus saying, well, I was so close. I was so close to Jesus. Wait, he wasn't lying. Wait, wait, you you mean mean this is the Messiah's robe? not just some regular guy who a foreigner who we executed this is really jesus who resurrected and they're looking at him like yeah yeah yeah, that's him and i can imagine the guilt that entered his heart because he has the garments of jesus and i can imagine asking himself how how could i have missed it i put the savior of the world on the cross and i didn't even recognize he was dying for me It was me that put him on the cross, and and, and now all I got is a piece of Jesus, but I don't really have Jesus, and and now I'm stuck in my guilt. Oh, and I I can imagine the criminal that same Sunday up in heaven with Jesus who received his love. Oh, Jesus, we parted, we millie rocking. Oh, give me some Martinelli apple juice. Oh, my God, mac and cheese in heaven must be golden. Like, he's just going all in. And we got this guy here, the criminal, who said, oh my God, I, I could have been with him. Oh my God, I, I would have had the love of Jesus in my heart. I need to let you know, the soldier is always looking to what he can get from Jesus. See, a lot of you, you might have followed Jesus into this place. You might have accepted Jesus, not because of who he is and what he did, but because of the garments that you could get off of him. We got to ask ourselves, how is my heart? Because it's not about the hand, it's about the heart. Who are you today? Are you the soldier that stays the same, rejecting the love of God and receiving His garments that do nothing? Ah, It's crazy because chapters before this is a story of a woman who who was dealing with an issue of blood. And the Bible said that she believed so much that if she were to just touch his garments, she would be healed. I wonder what went wrong from the woman with the issue of blood and the soldier who crucified Jesus, that when he grabbed onto it, nothing happened to him. I wonder what had happened in between the woman with the issue of blood who believed with all her heart and the man who rejected with everything he had. The same Jesus, the same garment. And one changed his life forever. The other one did nothing but remind him of the guilt in his life. Are you the soldier today? Are you the sinner? Who are you? Ask yourself. Don't let me ask for you. Who am I? Am I the soldier or am I the sinner? Because the soldier rejects the love of God, but the sinner says, God, I am available. The sinner says, God, I am nothing without you. The soldier says, "Amen. I got Jesus on the cross. The sinner says, I am so sorry I got Jesus on the cross. So who are we? Because everything will change when you change from soldier to sinner. See, only sinners can realize their need for salvation. Not sinners like you, sinners like me, because that's the perspective we have. Hey, uh uh-uh, Jesus didn't die for sinners like them. He died for sinners like me. See, a soldier points at everybody else. But a sinner says, Jesus, I'm the one to blame. And because I'm the one to blame for what you did, I'm the one to love because of who you are. When you take the blame, the faster you take the blame, the faster you receive grace. Stop trying to be perfect. I had a friend who said, I can't go to church anymore. Because every time I go to church, I got to be perfect. I said, whoa, you're going to the wrong church. He said, I'm going to your church. I said, yeah, but you're going with the wrong perspective. So it changes everything. Oh, Why do you have to hide your brokenness when my Bible says that God is near to the brokenhearted? Well, why, why, why? If, if the Bible says God is attracted to brokenness, why are you hiding the thing that God is in love with the most? Come on, be honest with yourself. Be honest with Jesus. There's a story that I love, and, and this story really makes me desperate for people to meet Jesus. It's why we have nights like this, so you can know the love of God. You can know the God that we serve here at Newburgh. This is why we have these nights, because a story like this, it was a man who, his whole job was to press a button. And every time he would press this button, a bridge would open, and it would close. When the bridge would open, a boat would pass right through it. When the the bridge would close, a train would go right through it. And every single day, his expertise, he was licensed for this. He got paid good money. He was to press a button, and he was to close the bridge when the train was coming. He was to open the bridge whenever a boat was going. His son looked up to him so much. He said, Daddy, I want to do what you do for the rest of my life. He said, All right, son, I'll start training you. Every single day, he would go to work with his father. And he would learn how to press a button. Every single day he pressed the button just with his daddy, hand on top of hand, press the button, the bridge would open, the boat would go through, the bridge would close, the train would come by. Until one day they were doing an inspection. And the father trusted the son so much to do the inspection by himself under the bridge. And when the son was checking on the bridge to make sure it would open and close correctly, he got under the specific part of the bridge that was off limits because it was dangerous if you were caught there and could not get out. The bridge would crush you to pieces. And the father hears a train coming. He says he's calling out his son's name, Jonathan. He's yelling out, Jonathan, Jonathan. He can't see his son. He's under the bridge somewhere. He doesn't know where his son went. He says, Jonathan, I need you. Come back. Come back. I gotta put the bridge down. There's a train coming. The train is coming faster and faster. Everybody on the train is relaxed. Nobody knows what's going on. And, and the father, he sees the train right uh, uh, like half a mile away. And he closes his eyes. He breaks down. He slams the button. And the bridge closes. And everyone on the train got by safely. But nobody knew the pain in his heart. Nobody knew the pain in his mind. The, what if I would have rescued my son and not the other people? What if I could have done something to make sure everybody was okay? And every single day for his life, he started questioning, I I miss my son. I miss my son. And all 200 people on the train just lived their normal lives. You see, this is why I'm so desperate for you to know Jesus. Why, why, why? Somebody ask me why. Somebody asked me why. Because you were on the train. And you had no idea what Jesus did for you. Until one day, he sent a man like myself. Saying, hey, this is why you're still alive. This is why you beat depression. This is why there's no more anxiety in your family. Because the love of God pressed the button. And the bridge went down on his son. So that it can open for you. Jesus, Holy Spirit, I feel you in this room. Holy Spirit. There are some people in this room that they realized, Dennis, I was on that train. They realized, Jesus, I I, I was on that train. Jesus pressed the button for me to be safe. And these specific people, come on, if you decided to get baptized today, if you signed up, can you go ahead and raise your hand? Can you raise anything? You can, can you stand up and meet me in the front if you decided to get baptized today? You see, these people, come on, we can make some noise for them. These people, they've decided today, I'm making my relationship with Jesus public. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Come on, if that's you today, come on, join me up here. If today you've decided and you signed up, come on, we can make some noise. Stand up right behind me. I wonder what a marriage would look like if there was no wedding. This is the picture of baptism saying, I'm not just going to say I do, I'm going to celebrate the whole nine yards. You see, one point in their lives, these people, they said I do at the count of three. When I said, hey, do you want Jesus? They said, I do. And today they're getting married. See, this baptism, it's not just something we do because we like water and like going to the beach, but we're too far away from it. No, 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 that's not what it is. Baptism is me saying, hey, I, I put on the ring. I put on the ring. You know what that means? I'm taking It's crazy because when people see the ring, the conversation changes. When when people see the ring, they don't look at me as someone who's vulnerable. They look at me as someone who's taken from this moment on. Come on, these souls, they're putting on the ring. They're saying today, come on, I was on the train. I was on the train. It's too good for me to keep to myself. He's too faithful for me to be silent about it. I got to let the whole world know. I want everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're about to send these people to the back to get baptized. We're gonna celebrate them huge. You see, but before we send over these people, I I believe there's certain people that were on the train and they did not even know they were on the train. And these specific people today, God is saying, hey, are you willing to say I do? Come on, on Good Friday, are you willing to say, I receive Jesus into my heart. I don't just want him in my hand. I want him living and dwelling within my heart. And that is you today. I want to give you an opportunity.